Well, welcome to week number eight of our series called Breaking the Rules. And before we jump into the message today, there's a couple of things that, that I want to say and kind of catch us up on. Number one, if you were not here last week, uh, then you missed an incredible story of generosity. Um, our, our sermon last week, our message was given by Kevin Morris. He's the head boys basketball coach at Appalachia High School. And uh, he was actually my ninth grade basketball coach when I was in high school years ago. Uh, that is, I guess that makes me old too, not just him. So that didn't work. Anyway, he did a phenomenal job uh, sharing the importance of generosity and what it means to be money rebels. In this series, we're talking about um, going against the normal. Um, and when it comes to money, uh, normal is not good. Uh, normal is, is broke and fighting and normal is in debt, and normal is living paycheck to paycheck, and uh, his family has, has made some decisions uh, in the last few months and years that, that have uh, been an example for all of us, and uh, so as I was listening to the podcast, I was re-inspired to be more generous than ever, and so I, I seriously want to encourage you, if you weren't here last week, make sure you either go to our website, synergychurch.cc, or find our podcast in the iTunes podcast. You can search Synergy Church Winder, Georgia. And, uh, and listen to that, it'll, it'll change your life. And uh, so the second thing that I want to say before we jump into the message today is uh, immediately following this worship experience, uh, we're offering what we're calling a vision lunch today. Um, I am more excited than ever about the future of our church, and we've got some exciting new plans that are coming up, especially beginning in August, and I would love to share those plans with you. Now, this vision launch is going to be today, immediately following the worship experience. It's also going to be next Sunday, the 29th, immediately following the worship experience. So if you have plans and you weren't prepared to stay today, please make plans to stay next week. Uh, we're going to feed you. We'll watch your kids. And I just want to share with you from my heart some things that God wants to do among us and some uh, changes that are coming up in the next few months that are going to position us to, uh, to do all that God wants us to do. And so uh, if you love Synergy, uh, you want to be there and hear these plans. If you're new to Synergy and you're just interested, maybe you're uh, your interest is piqued about this church that you visited for a couple times. Uh, there is no obligation or commitment level from coming to this vision lunch. We just want to share some plans with you. And so if you want to be in the know on some things coming up, I encourage you to stay uh, today, immediately following worship experience, or next week. Uh, some of you I know are going to want to stay twice because you'll get free lunch. And, and so we're asking you just to choose one. Um, but we love your, your passion. And uh, I'm sure some of you will do that anyway. And you're welcome to. Week number eight of... Breaking the rules, and um, let me start us off by uh, by sharing how it came about today's today's message. Uh, my son, my four year old especially, is he's in the mode of life. He's four years old, where he is uh, beginning to talk back, and uh, he's he's becoming smart with his mouth. Uh, I'm sure he gets that honest from me, though I can never remember ever being like that. And uh, he's beginning to like mumble things under his breath, like so that he thinks that we can't hear and he's smarting off to us and stuff. And he'll say disrespectful things to us. And so I've kind of been in this parenting mode of, of trying to, to stop that before it gets out of hand and just teaching him the importance of the words that we speak and teaching him the importance of being respectful to others and allowing our words uh, to build people up and not tear them down. And, and so I've kind of been in that mode of parenting and then uh, within the last couple of weeks, I came across this scripture in Ephesians that I'm going to share with you uh, in just a few moments. And uh, it was almost like God began to challenge me on the words that I speak and the importance of our words, the importance of how we talk, and how 
the words that we use and how we talk, if, if we want to follow Christ, if we want to live godly lives, should be different from the way the world approaches uh, talking. And uh, so this, this parenting mode that I'm in, maybe, maybe you'll feel initially like, oh, he's going to like spill that over onto us. But I'm hopefully going to come from a little different angle when I'm talking about our words today to help us understand the importance of the words that we speak. Uh, now, this series is all about um, rebelling against the normal. Uh, we know that normal is overrated. Uh, we spend most of our lives trying to be normal, ironically. Uh, we want to fit in. We want to be accepted. We want to uh, go with the flow, so to speak, not necessarily intentionally, but just because we don't want to stand out and be called weird or fanatics. We don't want people to make fun of us, and so we try to fit in as best we can. And the problem is, is normal is, is kind of broke. It's, it's uh, unfulfilling. Uh, it leads us down a path uh, that's not life-giving. And so the theme verse for this series is, is found in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, where Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter it. So there's a broad path. There's a, a, there's a large road that most people are traveling down. And, and Jesus says that that path leads to destruction. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. And uh, my fear for us all is that we'll live life traveling down the wrong road, and that we'll be in, in lots of company, and it will seem normal, and it will seem like the right direction to head, but uh, we're going to find out when we get to the end of that road that there's destruction in store for us. And so I want us to rebel against that and say, I don't have to fit in, I don't have to be normal. Uh, I want to understand that normal is not great as far as a goal for my life. And so I want to travel down the small path, the narrow road that leads to life. And in order to do that, I'm going to have to think differently. I'm going to have to act differently. And so we've talked about several issues. I encourage you to catch up on the ones that you've missed. But today we're going to talk about being talking rebels. And uh, I want us all to understand the, the importance of words. You know that, that words are powerful. The old saying says, sticks and stones will break my, break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Uh, and we know that that's a lie. You've been hurt by words before. I've been hurt by words before. Uh, I can remember being in second grade, maybe third grade, on a school bus, and an older kid uh, making a remark about the size of my nose and still today having insecurity issues about the size of my nose. Um, you have things in your life that you're probably insecure of or that you're afraid of or that you worry about because of something that someone told you. And you can remember vividly exactly what they said. And when he stood up on that bus and he said, man, you better shut your mouth before I beat you to the what's left of your brain comes running out that big nose of yours. And I was just like, oh, no. I tried to crawl into a hole. And like from that point on, I've, I find myself like, man, I do have a big nose. It's all right, though, because I can smell good. Different story. But words impact us. Words are meaningful. Words are lasting. And once words come out of our mouth, we can never get them back. We can never get them back. That's why James tells us that we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. That we should be eager to listen before we speak. But so many times we get that backwards. And we live life regretting words that we say because we wish we could get back some of those things that have spilled out of us. Sometimes we don't understand where those words come from. But today we're going to talk about 
where those words come from. When we look at being normal in the way we talk, we understand that the way we talk predominantly, predominantly centers around what's best for us and what makes us feel better. That's why sometimes the things that we say aren't true because it puts us into a better position to gain whatever advantage in life that we think that we need by not telling the truth. We learn that instinctively. It's normal not to tell the truth. It's normal to to lie. It's normal to cheat. It's normal to say things to people that will make them, in your eyes, smaller so that you somehow feel as though you're bigger compared to them. So people use words to hurt one another. Uh, They say things that are demeaning and degrading. Uh, They say things that are hurtful because we know that the words that we speak can hurt people. And the way that we talk to one another uh, seems like a very insignificant part of our lives. It, it seems like just a small, small portion of the, thing, the things that we do on a regular basis. But James has a lot to say about the words that we speak. James was one of the writers of the New Testament. He wrote a letter in the Bible uh, it's called James, and, and I want to read a few things that he said to us so that we can just understand the importance of the words that we speak and, and how we talk to one another. In James 1.26, uh, James writes, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. You know, there's a lot of people who claim to be religious but they don't talk like it. And James identifies that the way we speak can even deceive us when it comes to being religious. He goes on in James chapter 3, starting in verse number 2, to say that we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Listen, he says that the words that you say, you're, you're talking Your language, your tongue, as he puts it, is more important than anything else in your body. In fact, if the things that you say, if you can be perfect in the things that you say, then your whole body, everything else will fall in line and you'll be perfect. That's a big deal. That kind of helps us narrow our focus on like trying to be perfect in life and trying to please God and trying to be everything that he wants. A great place to start is how we talk to one another. Because if we can tame our tongue, if we can control our words, if we can be perfect in what we speak, then our whole body will be perfect. Verse 3, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. A small device in such a huge animal makes a massive difference. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Think about it. How big a ship can be, which is steered, it's directed by something so small in comparison to the totality of the ship. James is comparing our tongue to that. In comparison to our lives, our tongues seem insignificant, seem like a small part of who we are, but it guides us, it it determines our direction, it steers us. 
Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Huge forest fires start very small. And many of us have fires in our lives that started with just a few words. With just a few words. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. James says, you can, if you want to be perfect in the way you talk, you've got a lot working against you. And you've got a big task. And it's difficult. That's why, that's why it's so easy for us just to think about the things that we say and just feel instantly like, you know, he's going to tell me all the bad things that I say and how I'm so evil. And our mind migrates there when we talk about our words because none of us are perfect. And we think to conversations that we've just had recently, that we've just, maybe even on the way to church this morning, said things that were hurtful, that we shouldn't have said, that we wish we could take back, but we can't. Because once it's out, you can never take it back. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. You have potential to kill with your words. You have a dangerous, dangerous tool in your arsenal. And just like we would understand the danger of walking around with loaded weapons... We need to understand that we have loaded weapons with us all the time. While the t- with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Think about that. How many times do we come to church? We sing songs about the goodness of God. Songs of worship, songs that exalt God, songs that sing prayers of how we love him. And we turn around and get in the cars and we leave and the words that we say are complete opposite of what we've just, just said. Our tongue is deadly. This, this week my wife made a statement to me that just reminded me that I am far from perfect in this area when she just made a simple statement like, why are you always saying so negative such negative things to me. And I was like, oh, I'm about to preach on this. This isn't good. Not good. I hate when that happens. And the same is true for you, right? Normal when it comes to our words is hurtful. It's selfish. It's degrading. It's untruthful. It leads to regret. And it leads to brokenness. And we have all experienced the dangers and the powers of difficult words. And today, I don't want to stand up here and point a finger at you and make you feel guilty about things that you've said recently. I don't want to give you a list of things you can and cannot say. I'm not going to tell you what four-letter words are inappropriate I'm not going to tell you what jokes are not godly. I'm not going to tell you what responses to people you love in your life are inappropriate. I'm not going to tell you 
the do's and don'ts of talking. What I want to do today is help you understand the importance of the words that we say and how we can position ourselves to be on a narrow path that leads to life when it comes to our words. I have uh, actually one of the drummers that plays with us, his name is Brian, uh, is one of the most encouraging people I've ever met in my life. Uh, we, we literally have spent limited time together. Most of the time that we've ever spent together have been days that he's played drums at this church. And uh, he will randomly, out of the blue, send me texts and just say, you're a mighty man of God. On Father's Day, he texted me and said, you're a great dad. Happy Father's Day. And just those few words that he has this gift of encouraging me with, I know that he encourages so many people, makes me want to be a better person. and makes me feel so much better about myself. And then I can go into a restaurant or a drive-thru or a bank and I can find someone that's having a bad day and the way they speak to me can just make me frustrated and angry. And I can find myself like clenching my fists and thinking bad thoughts because of something that they said to me. Do you see the difference? Proverbs says it this way. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue has the power of life and death. And we get to choose what type of words that we're going to speak so that we can associate life or death with those words. I am not an overly spiritual pastor. And what I mean by that is, is not that, that I'm not close to God and it doesn't mean that, that I don't love Jesus um, it means that when it comes to the words we speak, there's a lot of uh, Christianese. There's a lot of things that people in the church world say that um, I'm just not a fan of. I'm just not a fan of. Um, and when I've heard this passage of Scripture quoted to me in the past, sometimes I just, I just kind of resist it a little bit because life and death are in the power of the tongue and and there is, there is a, a way of teaching uh, that isn't necessarily bad, but would just cause you to feel like you can say anything about anything and, and kind of speak whatever response you want out of something, and you can just kind of, by faith, speak something. And, and that's not what today is either, so I don't want you to kind of tense up. I know sometimes you hear that passage, and you're like, he's going to tell me like that I have to speak to this, and I have to speak to that, and I have to name this over that, and I have to claim this blessing over that, and, and, and it just gets really kind of crazy in my head, and, and I'm just not all about that. Uh, so, so you can just relax when it comes to that too. Um, I believe that the words that we speak are powerful. Okay, and this is where I'm coming from. The things that you say are powerful, and they will either lead to death and destruction, or they will lead to life. And I want us to speak words that lead to life. And I want us to be in a place where we experience blessings because of the words that we speak. And we don't look back on our lives and say, I wish I wouldn't have said that. But we look back on our lives, and we enjoy the fruit of speaking and talking in a way that's completely not normal. Now, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, is, it's a passage I've read before. It's, 
It's a, it, it, it's, it's a verse uh, that we pull from a letter that a man named Paul wrote to a church in Ephesus, and it's, it's, it's mixed in with a lot of advice that he is giving this church about Christian living. And so he's going to make a statement here about the words that we speak and the, and the way we talk to one another um, that hopefully for you, hopefully for you, I know it has for me, will kind of help you to understand the importance of your words and help you understand uh, the importance of the way that you talk. He says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, then it may benefit those who listen. Okay, now I told you today is not about a list of things that you should say and a list of things that you shouldn't say. I want us to understand the focus today of where our talk comes from and, and how we approach talking to one another. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Guilty. <laughs> Guilty. You have let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. And Paul says, don't do that. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Some versions use the word corrupt. Okay, He's not specifically talking here about like curse words. He's not specifically talking about the types of words that we say. But he's talking about the approach that we have with our words and the benefit, who the beneficiary of the words that we speak is. Now, what's normal is for us to speak words to people that are beneficial and centered around ourselves. We make statements that benefit ourselves. We tell half-truths because they benefit us. We tell complete lies because they benefit us. We say negative and hurtful things because they benefit us. And not only the things that we say, but how we say things can be equally unwholesome. It's, it's necessary for us to consider the way that we speak along with what we speak to understand what Paul is completely talking about here. And so when he says, don't let anything corrupt come out of your mouth, this is, this is a big task. It's a big chore. It's, it's a mountain that we have to climb, and it's not like we're going to hop on top of it. So it's a process. It's something that we have to learn. It's a journey that we have to set out on if we want to be rebels in this area. So, so don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful and beneficial to build others up. If we're going to be godly in the way that we speak to one another, we have to continually think about how what we say is going to affect the person we're speaking to. And not even directly, but maybe indirectly, if someone's going to hear something that we say or something that we post, how is it going to affect them? How is it going to benefit them? Is it going to build them up or is it going to tear them down? And what Paul makes clear to us here is that the importance of the words that we speak isn't like the types of words that we say. He's not saying, don't say these words, don't say these cuss words, don't, don't confine your vocabulary to a certain set of godly words. But he's saying, take a step back and look at everyone that's hearing the words that you're speaking and ask yourself, how is this going to affect them? then it becomes more clear to us that sometimes it is better to bite our tongues. It's better for us not to speak things that we say. 
The old saying is that we should think before we speak because then we would speak things that are correctly. But the problem is so many times we do think before we speak. And that's why we speak the words that we speak because it causes us to want something with our words, to use it as a deadly weapon, to use it as a tool. Have you ever just been around someone who's just negative? I mean, I'm not talking about someone who's had a bad day and they're just like, oh, this day's killing me. And they're just saying, I'm talking about someone who is constantly negative. And when you're around that person, like just hearing them speak, you're just like, oh, I can't stand to be around them because they're always saying negative things. It's because in their mind, somehow they're convinced that the words that they say will make them feel better. That expressing, frustration, expressing frustrations or letting off some steam will somehow make them feel better. And what they fail to realize is that it's impacting people around them, but it's not changing anything about themselves. And so people who are always speaking negatively or always speaking hurtfully are people who are not thinking about the recipient or they're thinking incorrectly about the recipient of their words. You've got friends, even on Facebook, even on social media, who love to critique and criticize people or experiences that they've had It's almost as if it's a hobby. It's almost as if there's joy in degrading or finding fault in something. And I'll be the first to tell you when it comes to my life, you don't have to search hard to find faults. Like you don't have to study my life in depth to be able to say something negative about me. And the truth is that's the same for all of us. Yet some people... They are masters at finding the negative in people. And the words that they speak point out those negative things and, and they're intended to be hurtful, to be harmful. And the words that are spoken are spoken from a sense of, I was mistreated. I had a bad experience. I don't like this about you because it affects this about me. And Paul's helping us to understand here that that's completely normal, but what he instructs us to do is to always consider how the words that we speak are going to benefit others. And at the end of this, he says that it may benefit those who listen. And some versions say that it, may be, that it may give grace to those who hear. I think Paul is highlighting here a hallmark of our lives that should reflect Christ. That every word that we speak should somehow give grace to people around us. That's not normal. We don't like to give grace to people. We don't like to allow things to slide that have been hurtful to us. And we don't like to, in spite of people's downfalls and failures and shortcomings, speak words that are a blessing 
to them. We love to highlight those things. But here's the thing about Jesus that, that if you don't understand, then, then you don't understand who God is. Is that Jesus is all about giving people grace. This is, this is fundamental to who Jesus is. That Jesus was God. He was God's only son. He was in heaven. In creation, mankind was evil. And God loved mankind enough, in spite of all their evil, in spite of all their shortcomings and all their downfalls, he loved us enough to send Jesus not to tell us things that we should do better, not to point out mistakes, but to die for us so that we could be forgiven of the things that we're guilty of. So that the debts that we owed on a spiritual level could be wiped clean. It's fundamental. You say, I've lived a terrible life and, and God never wants... He will never have anything to do with me. And you're the very person, if that's a thought that you have, that Jesus came to show love for. And everything that he did was to give grace to people. In the book of John, some religious leaders brought this woman who was caught in the act of adultery. Threw her at Jesus' feet. Said, the law tells us we should kill her. What do you say? And he gives this woman grace when she was guilty, when, when, when the law said that she should die. He gives this woman grace. He tells the man, like, if you're perfect, you can go ahead and kill her. But if you're not, you should probably walk away. And they did. And he says to this woman who was completely guilty, no one is left to accuse you, and neither do I. That's a powerful thing to understand about God because we live in a world of checks and balances. We live in a world of deposits and withdrawals. We live in a world of rewards based on behavior. And we understand full how messed up we are as people and how bad we've missed it and such mistakes that we've made with our lives that don't deserve any grace from God. Yet God gives us fully grace because that's who he is. That's who he is. And the words that we speak, Paul tells us, should do just that. Should give grace to people. Do you know how difficult it is to say positive things to someone who doesn't deserve positive things to be said of them? But Jesus would say, press into that. What they deserve isn't what you have to speak. You have an opportunity to speak life into someone. And I've seen, I've seen kids, I've seen adults who have been spoken down to in their lives. I've seen marriages where a man or a woman is always spoken down to. And they just feel defeated in life. They go through life as if they're dead, as if they have nothing to live for. But it's possible for people to speak into their lives and see them come alive, see them shine brightly. 
And so what we need to do is not be so concerned with the words that we speak and, and, and telling this joke or not telling that joke or not saying this word and making sure we say that word, but we just need to take a step back and just examine the words that we say to people and ask ourselves, how is this going to affect them? If I choose to say this right now, what's it going to do to them? And is that going to reflect what Jesus did for me in giving me grace? And if the answer is no, I'm not going to give them grace. This isn't going to benefit them. It's going to tear them down, not build them up. Then I shouldn't say it, or I should say it differently. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you never have difficult conversations with people you love who have made mistakes that need to hear things. It just says the way you say them should be with grace and in love. And we should choose not to say things that will start fires. Now, that's easier said than done. But here's where our focus has to be if we're going to be rebels in this area. Luke chapter number 6, verse 45. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So those things that we say that are heartful, those things that we say that we wish we could take back, those things that we say that we just regret, and we look back and we say, where did that even come from? Like It came from your heart. Because what we say is an overflow of our heart. And what we say is simply a reflection of the condition of who we are on the inside. And so for us to be rebels, for us to use our words to build others up and not tear them down, for us to use our words and talk in ways that give grace to those who will hear it, all we've got to do is start by looking in a mirror. In examining ourselves. And we find ourselves saying things that we shouldn't say, and we take a step back and we say, I'm saying things I shouldn't say because in my heart there are things that shouldn't be there. And if I can fix what's in my heart, if I can focus on what's in my heart, if I can look first at me instead of first at others, then my mouth will follow, my words will follow, my tongue will follow. And so, I want to challenge myself. I want to challenge you. If not, if even just for the rest of today, just the rest of today, measure your words. When you say something hurtful to someone, take a step back and say, why did I just say that? Where did that come from? And what in me needs to receive more of God's grace so that I speak more of God's grace into other people. When someone offends you, when something goes wrong and you have a bad experience, when you have every right to say something negative to someone, take a step back and say, I'm that person. Like with my life, I have, I've messed up. I've made mistakes. I don't deserve God's love. I don't deserve God's sacrifice for me. So how about I reflect that in this moment and I look at people differently and I say things that are beneficial to the hearer. 
Sometimes that means not speaking at all, and that's the difficult thing to do. And when we begin to see the words we speak through this filter, that what I say is a reflection of my heart, and is my heart reflecting the grace that I've received, we'll begin to talk differently. Because we'll begin to see that the things that we say to others is really a reflection of what we deserved. But God didn't give us what we deserved. And we shouldn't give other people what they deserve. And we can use our words to speak life into people. And we can benefit those. We can give grace to those people in our lives that don't deserve it. And it will make a difference in their life. And you'll live with peace. And you will understand the benefits of having a weapon that can be used for good or bad. And when you use it for good, when you use it for good, there's life that flows from that. If nothing else, just today, just today, measure words. And then you can begin to create a habit day after day of finding yourself saying something that you wish you hadn't have said and just saying right there, stop, stop. I am not reflecting what I've received if I claim to be a follower of Christ. And so I've got to, I've got to take a moment and, and, and do some inspection of my life. There's some things in my heart that need to be resolved some issues that I'm carrying around that I need to deal with so that I don't let that overflow into other people's lives. That's what our words are about. It's not about the things that you say. It's about how you speak to people. And there's normal. And then there's a small path. And it's simply a matter of understanding that you've received grace from God that you didn't deserve, and you can speak life to people just as you've received life from others. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for who you are and what you've done in our lives. Thank you for the gift of grace that you've given us, and thank you that we get to, in a tangible way, every day of our lives, express that grace to others through the words that we say. Forgive us, Father, for the hurtful things that we've said. Forgive us for lashing out in frustration and anger. Forgive us for speaking before we listen. Forgive us for using this weapon that you've given us, this powerful tool to hurt others and not build them up. My prayer for us all, Lord, is that we will, we will not let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths. Nothing corrupt come out of our mouths, but only what is beneficial to those who hear it and what builds them up, what gives them what they need in those moments of their lives that gives grace to the hearer. And help us more than ever understand the grace that we've received by the love of an incredible God that's been given to us. And let that change who we are, that we may talk differently. Help us to see our words, Father, as a measuring stick for the condition of our hearts. And help us to focus on our hearts more than we focus 
on those words and help us to experience life as a result of that. In Jesus' name, amen.